morning, everyone. I'm just going to say another quick prayer for us before we have our Bible readings. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would awaken our ears to hear and understand the words that we read this morning, and that you would awaken our hearts to accept the truth that you have for our lives today. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So the first reading is from Genesis 17, and we're reading verse 9 to 14. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And the second reading is from Romans 3, verses 21 to 31. Righteousness through faith. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just, and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good. Glad you could make it. I almost didn't. My smartphone is too smart for its own good. It can tell it not to go backwards, but it goes backwards anyhow. Righteousness, righteousness through faith. And we've heard the, the passages from Genesis about the Abrahamic covenant 
and we've heard the, the second part of, of chapter 4 of Romans that tells us about, uh, about righteousness and what Paul wanted a group of people to know. So, I'm going to try and share with you some things about chapter 3 itself. We're going to look in some detail at some elements of Paul's message and talk about the golden ticket. And I'll explain what that is in just a second. So chapter 3, first of all, a little bit of over overview from last week and this week. Paul wrote to Rome. Rome is the center of the empire. Paul is sitting in Corinth, 600 miles away. In Rome, they had a church a little bit like Cornerstone in that they didn't have their own home. They were a dispersed church. They met in different people's houses in, at, diff at different times. And the whole local culture was extremely diverse. Big city, center of everything. Lots of people coming from different places. The church, we are told, was started by Pentecostals and before any of the theologians jump up and down, these were people who actually were at the day of Pentecost. Okay? So they were there. They saw the tongues of fire. They, they heard the people speaking in tongues. They heard the message, each in his own language. They were part of that spirit, supernatural experience. And within the church were Jews and Gentiles. And in that situation, there was a problem that Paul wanted to make out there. So we begin with a kind of cornerstone experience. It's not a cornerstone. Turning a corner experience of the but now. Last week, we were in the situation where all have sinned. All have sinned, come short of the glory of God. None is righteous, no, not one. In the words of Private Fraser from Dad's Army, we're all doomed. And this week, but now, but now the righteousness of God has been made known, says Paul. So the bad news last week, the good news this week, righteousness is for all through the grace of God. We all get the golden ticket. And for anybody who's unaware of what the golden ticket would be, it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Each of the five children gets a golden ticket for free. They don't have to pay for it. They have to believe that it's the right thing. They have to turn up at the, at the gates of the factory, but it is there for them. There are only five golden tickets. In our case, there are golden tickets for all. Righteousness, by the grace of God, is for all. It's not just in five chocolate bars. It's for everybody. Everybody in this town, everybody in this, in this country, everybody on this planet, and everybody wherever there is an anybody on any planet in the universe that happens to be there that we haven't explored yet. Everybody. All may come. Everybody gets the golden ticket. third thing in the quick overview, the reason that Paul is writing this stuff is that there is a crisis. The Gentiles are under threat. There is a problem that has emerged in the church. 
where people think that the Gentiles still need to be circumcised. If you, if you look back at Acts chapter, chapter 15, you'll find this. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. So in other words, you first become a Jew and then become a Christian. It's a widespread problem. It's a very serious problem. Given that that is the tool by which you would have been circumcised. It is a circumcision knife from the 17th century. That's it. No NHS, no hospital, no anesthetic, nobody caring for you, waking you up afterwards. That's it. it there is a good chance you could die from this. So Paul is quite worked up about what's going on there, and hence you find he's writing this letter and spread throughout the letter the stuff about being circumcised and the metaphor of circumcision. So we'll look a little bit more closely then at a couple of things. First of all, righteousness. Because Paul is saying, here's the golden ticket, righteousness is available for all. All are justified freely. All are made righteous. So what's he talking about? What is righteousness? Righteousness is not about being right as in being correct. It's not about being right so that somebody else is wrong. It's about being right as in being justified, as in being just. Being righteous is showing the nature of God. Being righteous brings in more than just, just law. Righteousness brings in grace alongside law in very important proportions. Righteousness is like salted caramel ice cream. It's more than caramel. It's got something else in it that help that makes the ice cream taste better. That was quite difficult. Righteousness is the way that God sees us because when he looks at us, he sees Jesus. And righteousness is the way that Jesus acts. How do we get it? By grace. The ticket is there. We already have the ticket. We, we just believe that this is the right ticket. This is not a con, and we turn up. Everybody gets the ticket by the grace of God. And we allow ourselves, having found the ticket, to become more like Jesus. We become more like our father. I don't know if you remember uh, the times when people said to you, oh, you're just like your dad. People said that to me for many years. Now they're saying it because I have exactly the same little bald patch that starts on the top as my dad had around about the same time that he actually had it. Uh, my dad influenced me greatly on many things. Uh, my dad was a West Brom supporter who had a firm belief that whatever the enemy, whatever the war, the real problem was Wolverhampton Wanderers or Aston Villa. And, I, and I, I, I find no reason to question his, his views. My dad, my dad was a, a working man. He worked in a foundry. My mum was a welder. Um, I come from the same area as Peaky Blinders. And my grandparents would have come uh, from that time. So 
I am influenced by my parents. We are influenced through the golden ticket by our Father in heaven as to what we think and how we react to things. Righteousness is the feeling you get when you see injustice. Righteousness is what you get when is how you feel when there are poor people who are being hard done to. Righteousness is what you feel when you hear about the, the work of release and pastors in jail. This is righteousness. Righteousness is this mixture of law and grace that Jesus showed. When Jesus stood in the street and the Pharisees bring him a woman caught in adultery, he said, okay, Jesus, what do you make of this? And they stand back. And Jesus says, well, okay, let him who is without sin throw the first stone. This is very radical. This is not just law. It's law plus grace. And it's the disciples in a corner going, yes. In order to grasp righteousness, we need faith. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we of what we do not see. And that's very important. It's not just faith in what has gone before. It is faith in what is to come. The guy dangling from the, uh, the, the, the parachute has great faith that just because the, the air and the wind has supported everybody going down this, uh, this mountain in the air, I think he is seriously mentally deranged, but that's another story. Uh, it's going to happen for him. He is not going to crash and burn. He's going to land, and there's going to be enough snow for him to roll around in, and uh, he's not going to break every bone in his body. Faith is about the future as much as the past. And faith goes beyond rules and, rules and propositions. Faith dictates the paradigm. Faith tells us, what the questions we can ask are and what the answers that we expect will be. Faith reveals things that sometimes we can't see. So let's do this. Let's see if this works for you. Simple question, what is it? And you look at the picture, and there's no catch here. Um, getting the right or the wrong answer will not reveal anything about your, your psyche or whether you were dropped on your head as a child. Uh, it's just a picture, guys. It's just a picture. There's no catch. Now, some of you are looking at that, and you're saying, oh, okay, um, I think that's a picture of, uh, an aerial picture of East Anglia. Uh, if you're an American, you probably are not thinking that because you've no clue where East Anglia is. Or maybe you're looking at it, and you think, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a leaf print. Or if you're a medical student, you're saying it's maybe it's a histology slide. Um, and if you're thinking any of those things, you are incorrect. You may say, I have no clue what is there. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a cow. It's a cow's head. It's a head looking out of the picture at you. You can see the ears. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> see, I told you there'd be somebody. <laughs> a 
So there it is. So there it is. And why is this idiot showing us this, this very interesting but bizarre picture? Well, because what he wants to get across is there is some stuff around that is there, but you, you, we, we don't see it. We are not aware of it. Once you've seen it, once you are aware of the righteousness of God, once you're aware that you have the golden ticket, then you see it. And when you look at the real picture, you will see the golden ticket. You will look through the golden ticket and you'll see the righteousness of God. And you look through the righteousness of God and you'll see the grace of God in Christ Jesus. But you have to believe that I'm not leading you astray. I'm not trying to humiliate you by getting you to say something that's incorrect. You have to believe that there is actually something there. And if you didn't really see that, and you're going to come along at the end, uh, feeling this here for you, you know, good, I, I can help you with that. So, righteousness and faith. And here's the crisis, or actually... Here are the crises that Paul was experiencing. One crisis was the circumcision issue. This was a big deal, especially for the Gentiles. They, they would see themselves as second-class citizens. You aren't really a Christian until. They, in some cases, would feel that they had to accept a bureaucratic view of God who insisted that every I was dotted and T was crossed no matter how painful it would be for them. But also, there were the Jews. And remember, Paul was a Jew. And the Jews had to go through a real trauma here because for thousands of years, they had worked on the assumption that it was circumcision that was the evidence of you being Jewish. If you weren't circumcised, you weren't Jewish. You were not part of the chosen people of God. So what they faced, in some cases, they would have been thinking, well, have we been wrong all this time? Why did God tell us that if, if he didn't mean it? So that was a crisis of a different sort for them. By denying the, the value of circumcision, they would find themselves divorcing themselves from their own community, a kind of a social circumcision, if you will. And the third crisis is Paul. Paul knew the consequences of what could happen here. He knew the consequences for the church. He knew the consequences for his Jewish friends. He knew the consequence for his Gentile friends. And he also knew that there was not that much he could do about it. No internet, no phone, no railway, no plane. He's 600 miles away. What does he do? And try to imagine being in Paul's shoes. And so Paul is one of the people who acts righteously here. Paul sits down, he rethinks a number of things, and he says, how does this all really, really fit together? And he writes what we now know as the letter to the Romans, this letter. He tries to bring healing and restoration through the letter. 
But primarily, as the first thing he does, you hear him keep saying, I long to be with you. I hope to visit you when such and such. This is Paul saying, guys, hang on. The cavalry is coming. I will be there. That's a message that pervades much of Corinthians 9. Paul was, was showing us righteousness. He did something. The church as a whole did something. They had a conference in Jerusalem. This was the, one of the main items on the agenda. And I'm sure that being a fly on the wall, there would have been some fairly strong arguments from here. But they came to the conclusion that we are all God's chosen people. We all have the golden ticket. And that physical circumcision is not necessary. But read Paul's letter again. He has is, he is worked very hard in the phrasing of all of this. He's trying to keep everybody together. His hope is in the Pentecostal aspect of the church. His hope is in the Holy Spirit, is in the only person who can cross that distance and bring healing and bring reconciliation in that setting uh, of the first century. So what is righteousness? What Paul did is righteousness. What Jesus did is righteousness. What the church did in that circumstance is righteousness. And so what? That's the where the chapter ends. What do we learn from it? How do we move away beyond with our golden ticket? I believe that one of the things we're, we're called to do is to actually have confidence, have faith in our righteousness, in what God has done for us, in the, the free gift that he has given to us through Jesus. Faith that the golden ticket is, is the real deal. Faith that others have the same ticket. Faith that God is gracious and kind in all circumstances. Having confidence in God and then being prepared to say, look, this doesn't look right to me. This circumcision thing, it just doesn't look right. But the confidence in God to then say, let me look again at the scriptures. What do the scriptures really mean? And Paul in no way throws away the law. He doesn't say, oh, well, that was what we used to believe, and this is what we now believe. That's not what he did. And doing what Paul did takes a lot more work than merely saying, God has changed his mind on this. We have to have the confidence to look again at the scriptures and say, what does this really mean? We need to have compassion. Compassion for people who are deeply hurt. Paul had this because he saw the Gentiles and the Jews. He understood what was going on for both of them. He had compassion. We must care deeply 
for the distress of others. And we must be prepared to do something about any part that we have in that distress. As Paul did. He could see that some element of teaching had gone missing here, maybe. Or somebody somewhere uh, who he had brought to Jesus had gone and got this, this idea that was causing such huge problems. And we need to be prepared to have conversations. I've been on this road for a long time. Um, probably almost as long as most of the grandparents, if, if I'm any guess, if who's in the room. And things change. We make mistakes. The worst thing that we do sometimes is that we don't have a conversation. We have a debate. Well, let me explain my position on this. I can tell you that the older I get, the fewer positions I have. And the more I'm inclined to say, mm, not sure about this. Because in my experience, this, 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 and the other, we need to be prepared to be humble enough to look for a conversation with people who are in distress rather than merely saying, oh, well, my Bible says, and therefore, Jesus didn't just leave the woman caught in, in adultery hanging. He went to her. He had a conversation. Well, where are those who condemn you? They're not here, Paul says. Then neither do I condemn you. We're looking to have conversations about who we are and about what God has done for us, about the grace that he has shown to us. Righteousness and faith is a golden ticket. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you. And we kneel and acknowledge that you are the source of our righteousness. Your grace is what makes us who we are. Help us, Lord, to honor you in all that we do, in every righteous act we perform. Help us to hear your voice and to grow in you. In Jesus' name.